The following sermon was delivered by Associate Pastor Werner Ramirez during morning worship at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith every Sunday on the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Midtown Manhattan. And now, here is Reverend Ramirez. Our scripture reading from today comes from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 28. Listen now for the word of the Lord. Then the prophet Jeremiah spoke to the prophet Hananiah in the presence of the priest and all the people who were standing in the house of the Lord. And the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen. May the Lord do so. May the Lord fulfill the words that you have prophesied and bring back to this place from Babylon the vessels of the house of the Lord and all the exiles. But listen now to this word that I speak in your hearing and in the hearings of all the people. The prophets who preceded you and me from ancient times prophesied war, famine, and pestilence against many countries and great kingdoms. As for the prophet who prophesies peace, when the word of that prophet comes true, then it will be known that the Lord has truly sent the prophet. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I have a confession for you all. I'm a little bit of a chronic optimist. It's part of who I am. I'm always hoping for the best, and part of me almost always thinks the best can happen, even if the chances are slim. The odds can be stacked against the outcome I want, and yet part of me still quotes that line from Dumb and Dubber. So you're telling me there's a chance. There's nothing wrong with having a positive attitude. In fact, that can-win attitude is great at times. But as a chronic optimist, I sometimes suffer from chronic letdown. On a small scale, this happens when my beloved sports teams lose, and on a bigger scale, being let down by the actions of other people. In those cases, there's really nothing you can really do about it. You simply feel betrayed. It feels like my hope, my optimism got taken advantage of. Yet at times, my optimism is more of a cop-out or an ignorance of the realities right in front of me. I'll admit that this is true for me at the beginning of the pandemic. We're gonna be just fine. This is only gonna last one month tops. I think we'll be back by Easter. That's what I was telling myself. It wasn't until a few weeks into March that I realized that my optimism got the best of me. Yet, I still remain hopeful that things will get better. But I now realize that we have a long way to go. And I have to do my part in keeping people safe until that time comes. I can no longer simply say things are going to be just fine and go about my normal business. The passage from Jeremiah today comes from the lectionary. For those of you that may not know what the lectionary is, the lectionary is a three-year cycle of scripture passages meant to give the congregation a little taste of the whole Bible in a three-year setting. Many churches around the world use the lectionary, and at times we at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church use it as well. Sometimes the lectionary passages are tough to work with, and sometimes they are completely relevant. I'll give you an example. On February 4th of 2018, on the day that the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl, the lectionary passage included these words from Isaiah. But they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. It's as if they were destined to win that day. I believe that this passage that we just read today from the lectionary is pretty important for our time. In the passage we just read, we see a debate between two prophets. 
On one side, we have the prophet Jeremiah, a prophet that usually seems to bring tough news to God's people and to kings. And on the other side, you have Hananiah, someone who just proclaimed very optimistic words in the house of the Lord, in front of the priest and all the people. Hananiah spoke loud and clear, making sure that his words would go viral. Now, you'll need to know some context of what has happened thus far. King Nebuchadnezzar, the ruler of Babylon, had already sieged and taken Jerusalem, but Judah had not been completely taken up. Yet for many of them, they felt like they were already in exile. Their popular king was deported to Babylon, along with other top officials and warriors. And their current king, King Zedekiah, was more or less appointed by Nebuchadnezzar. Zedekiah was only 21 at his appointment, and his kingship was an unusual one in which he was tasked with not only keeping control, but also collecting tribute to Babylon. Therefore, the people of Judah longed and hoped for freedom. Some of them even believed that their king in exile would be able to lead a rebellion and return to the throne. And that is exactly the kind of message that Hananiah brings at the beginning of this chapter. Hananiah proclaims that within two years, every part of Judah would be taken away and come back and returned. Hananiah proclaimed that their beloved king in exile would return alongside all the other people. I mean, this is a huge declaration. You see this in sports teams sometimes. They declare big promises like this. In two years, we will absolutely win the championship. We will sign big stars and we will be great again. And you're filled with some skepticism, but all around, you're pumped that your team is going for it. And something similar is happening here with Hananiah's declaration. But it wasn't about a silly championship. This was people's livelihoods at stake. I can imagine the cheer from the people hearing this from Hananiah. This was the type of nationalistic news that they hoped to hear. Perhaps some of them were skeptical of Hananiah's message. But if I were one of them, again, as a chronic optimist, I probably would have said, so you're saying there's a chance. Jeremiah responds by saying, yes, amen. I really hope this happens. Now, I can't tell if Jeremiah is being sarcastic or if he genuinely hopes that Hananiah is correct. However, Jeremiah does not seem to be as optimistic in Hananiah's message. I could hear Jeremiah saying this, I hear what you're saying, Hananiah. I hear that you're hoping that this hardship will magically disappear, you have it under control, and poof, like a miracle, in two years this will all just go away. But there's just one problem. All the other experts, all the other prophets before us have predicted war, famine, and exile. I wonder if Jeremiah really does want Hananiah to be right. Jeremiah has been a prophet who has already in the past have to condemn other prophets for bringing false comfort to people. And once again, Jeremiah has to do the same thing. It must be exhausting for Jeremiah to keep doing this. And later in the chapter, we find out that the word of the Lord speaks to Jeremiah and tells him to go to Hananiah to rebuke him for his false message. And Jeremiah tells Hananiah in verse 15, you made the people trust in a lie. You made the people trust in a lie. Jeremiah was right. Hananiah's prophecy was wrong. Zedekiah would be the very last king of Judah before Babylon would be completely taken over. But why was Hananiah so wrong? Was it just wistful thinking? I mean, we had seen God deliver God's people out of oppression in the past. 
Wasn't Hananiah simply hoping for something similar? How did Hananiah miss the mark completely? I had mentioned that sometimes my chronic optimism is sometimes a cop-out or ignorance to the realities right in front of me. And I wonder if this was similar for Hananiah. Hananiah was looking for the easy answer. He was looking for easy grace. In a sense, he was just wishing things would simply be okay without putting in the hard work of what the prophets before him were saying. The prophets before were asking the people to repent and to put their trust in God rather than kings and economics. And now they were in a tough spot. The easy thing was to say, it's just going to disappear without listening to the tough but true prophecy of the past. So the question I have for us is, what message are we listening to? Are we listening to the easy answers that bring false comfort? Or are we listening to messages that actually challenge us to join God in the work that the divine is doing? We at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church are committing ourselves to not only continue the conversation around racial justice, but to actually put in the work for structural change within ourselves and our community. And yes, as we do this, we cannot fall into the trap of Hananiah's easy grace that brings false comfort. What do I mean by this? How often do we think and say that the answer to racial justice is to simply say, we just need to love one another. That's the easy, cheap answer. Yes, we must love one another, but how do we make amends? How do we repair? How do we make sure that our siblings are safe? How easy is it to simply read an article about anti-racism, feel good about ourselves, but then go on living a normal life without actual change to the way that we live? You see, the easy answer has a quick timeline. The easy answer runs its course. The easy answer lasts the news cycle, and then it's forgotten. Whereas like Jeremiah, we know that tough times are still ahead. We must put in the necessary work and sacrifices to confront racist structures. Why are we doing this? Why are we going to put the work in now? I think we have to be honest. For many of us, because it has not affected us, we have not truly seen the pain and the hurt of our black siblings. When we have taken the easy answer that we have progressed, but have left out the realities of the hurt of so many people that have gone unnoticed. Back in 2009, I was in my uh, super senior year of college, and I took one of the best classes I have ever taken, Urban Youth Ministry with Dr. Dan Whitehodge. Dr. Whitehodge is now a tenured professor at North Park University in Chicago and creator and host of a podcast called Profane Faith. He continues to teach me. His class was one of the turning points in my life of realizing some of the injustices in this world. Yet in that class, I remember him telling us that this country is as racist as it has been, but everybody is just hidden. And I remember thinking back then, Doc, you're wrong about this one. We have progressed so much. About eight years later, I sent him a text message and told him that he was right. Many racist people were hidden, with the proof being a huge rise, rise in hate crimes all around the country since the 2016 election. And yet between now and our past, we have seen and heard our black siblings share their experiences of pain, but we have, not, but we have listened to Hananiah's easy answer and said, but we have progressed so much. 
it's time to listen to Jeremiah and listen to the cries of those who have been hurting. So yes, we have been late, but now we see that our black siblings have been forgotten and have not had a place or a voice at the table. We see how our black siblings are being violently treated and killed. They have been told for too long that their lives do not matter. That is sin. We confess to that and repent because their lives do matter. I will further say, especially today on Pride Sunday, that the lives of our black queer siblings and the lives of our black trans siblings matter. Data shows that fatal violence disproportionately affects transgender women of color. The American Medical Association said last fall that the killings of transgender women of color in the United States amounted to an epidemic. Friends, violence and murder of our trans siblings is evil. It is sin, and we must advocate for their lives. We grieve the loss of the lives of Tony McDade, Rhea Milton, Selena Reyes Hernandez, and countless others of our trans siblings who have been murdered. So what are we going to do? We at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church are committing ourselves to doing better than we have in the past. A small working group will be making recommendations to us, the clergy, the staff, and the session, and you, on how we can better work towards racial justice. We will do this by listening to voices that we should have been listening to for a while. Recommendations will include how we at FAPC can do some self-reflection within our own community how we can advocate for structural change outside of our walls, and how we can volunteer and support organizations who are already doing great work within racial justice. One of the ways that we will be doing some self-reflection is with our brand new adult education podcast coming this summer called Crossroads. This first series will include voices and stories from people of color from our own community. We hope that these stories will not only inspire us, but startle our complacency to racism and move us toward action. This is just one step that we will be taking, but we know that we cannot settle for the easy answers or simply pay attention to the news feed, but we want to be in this for the long haul. We will listen to the spirit for them to guide us in the ways that will lead to amazing change. This is what we will be doing as a community. And I ask you to join us in this. I ask you to move beyond easy answers and to pray that the Spirit guides you to a powerful call. I know it's sometimes easier, much easier, to simply align with the viewpoint of your political party. I have fallen into that trap. But God's call for us goes beyond that. I still remain optimistic and hope and know that God will be doing big things. I believe we are headed for right change and I've seen hearts moved. I believe in a good and gracious God, and that God is amongst us, amongst God's children working for good. But I also know that that work is not easy. And I also know that God calls us to join. Friends, let us do what is right and just. Let us do what will remind every person, especially those on the margins, that they are loved, that they are beloved children of God, made in God's own image. Amen. Friends, for our benediction, may you hear this Franciscan blessing. May God bless you with this comfort at easy answers, have truths and superficial relationships, so that you may live deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger at injustice, 
oppression, and exploitation of people so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, and war so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and turn their pain to joy. May God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world so that you can do what other claims cannot be done. Amen.